0: Hello there, I'm Militsa Nikova, and welcome to Staykeepers podcast. Staykeepers is a prop tech platform that creates value for residential and commercial institutional owners. So thank you for tuning into our one-stop shop for all things real estate, build to rent, and the latest innovation in the property technology world. For more information about Keepers, please check our website at staykeepers.com, or simply follow us on Twitter at staykeepers. In this episode, I am joined by the Build to pioneer, Neil Young, who has recently launched Young to help create investment partnerships in places where people live, stay or spend time. Today, Neil and I will be discussing the relaunch of his startup incubator business, the future of the Build to Rent sector, and lightly touch on some of the struggles of the UK property market. So ladies and gents, it's time to welcome our guest, Neil Young. Hello, Neil, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Pleasure. Pleasure.
0: Tell us how you spent the last couple of months. Did you manage to get some time off in between your departure from Get Living and the launch of Young?
1: Well, I left Get Living in what, September 2019, so really till the end of the year for, for three months. I took some time out, met a lot of people, uh, a lot of lunches and, and just getting together. And then really from January was when really started getting Young going.
0: Knew you have laid a solid foundation for Young, Uh, What with your 25 plus years of experience in the residential and hospitality sector, the enormous property portfolio of Young's Group, Young's predecessor and your strong professional network, what was your motivation to relaunch the brand?
1: Well, we we set up Young Group back in 2003 and uh, essentially to help people invest in residential property. Uh, You know, you could invest in most other things, whether it's shares or bonds or funds uh, and commercial property, but it was very difficult to invest in residential. So that was the kind of uh, the thesis that, you know, we had a publication called PRS Update, which we launched in about 2006, 2007. And we were talking to a lot of pension funds and institutions and private equity about them investing in what subsequently became the build-to-rent sector. And that was always something we we're keen on. Obviously, we then Got the opportunity to consult back in 2011 on on what was become Get Living in East Village, uh, and then went in as the executive team in 2014. But I always had that desire to really help professionalise what's now becoming known as the living sector. At Get Living that was a great platform. It was a great business to grow from from nothing to a to a two billion pound reach. But it was time. And I've been thinking about it for a while to really get back to, to the roots of, of innovation and, and collaboration and try and help a number of different companies grow and flourish and help improve and become more professional.
0: It seems to me that Young will follow in Young's group footsteps and will continue to pave the way for business owners to turn their ideas into successful business. But what are you planning to do differently this time?
1: Well, first time round, we were very much the management team and we were very much running it. What we want to do now is really help management teams who are out there who are working in the sector and give us, give them some advice. I mean, you know, the partners in, in Young have been in the sector for 25 years and we've been working together for that amount of time. So rather than it just being about growing one business, which was ours, it's about helping others and some great management teams and great ideas to flourish, to try and really enhance what's going on in in the living sector.
0: Does that mean that in place of doing less consultancy, Young's focus will be on providing more hands-on support?
1: You're spot on in terms of trying to really think about where the business is positioning. We would like to feel more that we're partnering with companies. So we would like to feel that we can support management teams that are there so early on, it might be quite involved, but in time, I think we can help management teams grow and run the business and then us being able to you know, just help steer the businesses as they're going and working with that management team. We're very keen to put time in and, and taking an equity position in those businesses and using the knowledge and, you know, and the grey hair that we've got to help them grow and the reputation that, that we've built over that period to bring the right people in, good network of people that can help i think back to when set young up originally it would have been great to have an older version with the knowledge that i've got now supporting as a sounding board as a mentor and that's where we want to to fill the gap we see an opportunity there
0: did you have a mentor to guide you through some of the challenges that many professionals especially in their early days seem to struggle with
1: we, we had some luck along the way i from uh, From my previous corporate role, I had a mentor that I could turn to in the early days, which was really helpful for me and kind of humbling at points. Someone with a lot of experience was happy to talk through what to some might seem small issues, but to you at the time, a big issue.
0: And what would you say was the best advice your mentor has ever given you? What comes to mind?
1: It was really to... Uh, keep focused and and there will be knocks along the way you very rarely get to an equilibrium in a business you tend to get the highs and lows and you've just got to keep focused and, and keep motivated by it you know there's a lot around momentum I think there's a lot about just getting a momentum going and trying to get some successes along the way keep that momentum there'll be some knocks along the way but if you've got the right set of people around you and the right team then you can deal with most things.
0: Speaking of success along the way, what does the future hold for Young?
1: With Silvana and David, we're very keen to to grow a portfolio of businesses that we help grow generally within the living sector, albeit if something came from left field, we, we'd be interested. And that's really where we're at, you know, to if we get some investors involved as well to help these businesses grow. We like asset-backed businesses. You know, you've got an asset underlying it, whether that asset is, a physical asset, i.e. property or or a brand potentially. If I fast forward several years, I'd like us to, to be helping grow, you know, some good businesses with some good management teams and, and helping the sector grow and helping the sector professionalize more and, and improve. You know, if I think about some of the stuff we've done in the past, uh, which has influenced the sector from involvement and still involved in some you know government activity, even things like the no fees was something very much we Get Living put in place. Back in 2013, you know, scrapping deposits on the residential side was, was an idea we had and did that back in 2017. We'd like to get involved in businesses that are, um, changing the mould and, and really helping the communities, neighbourhoods and, and, and consumers have a better quality of life.
0: With regards to neighbourhoods and communities, it's been estimated that 157,000 built-to-rent homes are either complete or under construction across the UK. With the demand on the increase, would it mean that Build to Rent will be on your radar?
1: Yes, it will. I mean, we're so well known in the sector and, and you know, having been the ones who are really there pushing, creating ideas for Get Living and for East Village and, and elsewhere early on, um, it's difficult to uh, not want to use that that knowledge. So yes, it will, but not exclusively. You know, there's other areas that also we're interested in getting into. But, uh, you know, built to rent is, is here to stay and it, and it will grow. And to have been there at the beginning of a sector is not something many people can, can say they've done in their career. And that's something we're very fortunate to have been involved in.
0: Neil, I've heard a lot of industry professionals say that built to rent developments result in smaller returns than build to sell developments. What do you think about that?
1: I think it's very easy to look at the comparisons and come to the conclusion that build to sell is a better investment. However, part of it depends on your timescales, and part of it depends on on what you've seen in the past. You know, I often say to build to sell developers, when you've sold up and look back five years later, do you not look at it and think, well, with the way that the area and development has improved, the people who have ultimately bought those homes have probably got a better return than you have. So I think the opportunity with Build to Rent is more of a long-term return. And it's talking about placemaking and how you can improve an area for the community, but also for the financial returns. And I think also, if you look at you know the period we've been through over the last few months, with Build to Rent, it's really shown itself to be very resilient. Rent collections have been in the kind of 95% range, whereas a lot of the build for sale developers have, have struggled to sell over the last few months. And it's a much stabler sector to be involved in as you're building, as you come out. I often say to people, if you had a building that you could put offices in or retail or or homes and you had to rent them, which will rent first? And and invariably, people realise that the homes there's such a shortage of, there is such a demand and there's they do rent quickly. So if you're looking at longer term investment, Uh, and I've been investing in the sector for now on 25 years, you see that more patient money actually usually benefits greater.
0: But with the rising property prices, do you think that there will be more people renting than owning their homes in the UK?
1: I think it's a continuing trend that we've seen for many years now with the demand for rental property. It it often depends on exactly which statistics you look at, but a talk in London of of over 25% of people In the private rented sector uh, and across the country at the moment, around 20%. I think it's one of the sectors, uh, out of all sectors in the UK, where the vast majority, if not everyone, would agree the rental sector is growing. There's not many sectors in the UK that you can. Uh, say that for. So undoubtedly it will grow. We are a country that home ownership is, is an important part and I think that will continue to, to be the case. But I do think that dominance of home ownership has been reducing, will continue to reduce and we will see more on the PRS side. And I think we need to look at the positives of more people renting in terms of the transient nature that we have. Uh, and it shouldn't necessarily be seen as a negative. I think I think uh, there are generations coming through who see, who like the flexibility like that kind of subscription approach to life and actually aren't so much uh, in in the world of needing ownership.
0: Going back to the flexibility you mentioned, do you think that this will eventually lead to the end of the build to sell?
1: I'm certainly not going to predict the end of the build to sell market because I think there's always people who will want to buy and and I think what you realise in life is people have different aspirations and, and goals and and purpose. And some will always see wanting their own home, that'll always be part of the market. I just think the balancing in the market might change and, and keep shifting more towards the rental side. But I, I still see there's certainly a, a large future for built to sell as well.
0: I agree with you, New, And while some parts of the real estate sector may struggle, others will emerge. What are the latest trends that you believe hold the greatest opportunities for developers to capitalise on?
1: I've kind of come across a term recently recently called uh, walkable neighbourhoods. And I think there's a lot in that. I think there's a lot, and, and obviously with what we're all going through at the moment with with COVID, I think there's, people are realising the value uh, their locality and wanting to support it, wanting to invest in their local area. I mean, it's very much what we did at East Village, when you had 67 acres of land with, you know, 30 or 40 retail units and thousands of homes above and you created this neighborhood that people really enjoyed that had events going on that built a community and there's been lots of examples over the last few years at each village of where that's happened from you know the football world cup when everyone came together to the clapping for the nhs when hundreds of people were on their balconies on a thursday night and that carried on and balcony bingo and things like that coming together so I think there's something about thinking local and there is obviously a lot of focus on retail at the moment but actually could there be an opportunity if if we're creative on the retail to use it as a way of keeping and pulling community together.
0: Do you see these as opportunities that young would like to explore?
1: Yeah um, it's very much part of what we've done in the past so the whole yeah as I said earlier the whole living sector is a growing one and I think there's something about yeah, to build that community, you need to give good service, and I think people, especially over the last few months, have realised they don't like to necessarily be in Ireland. They like to to talk to their neighbours, and they like to see what else is going around, and and they like to to have the assurance that their their landlord or or the operator of their homes is someone that they can talk to and trust. So we've always been someone who sees the value in good service and and giving good experience to the customer, and, and that's something we're we're very very much in our thoughts in terms of what we get involved in. And, and that local piece and that, that neighborhood piece.
0: From all we've discussed so far, it seems that Young will be very customer-focused. How has that approach worked out for you in the past?
1: We've always been customer-focused. I and mean, when we first start get, getting involved in Get Living, one of the things we said is when we're sitting at the table, we're representing the customer. Quite frequently in property, it, it's more about the landlord, whereas we've always been about... The people and the customers are involved so that will always be something that that we'll focus on and, and when we engage with with companies that we support and help it will always be thinking about it from the customer's perspective and and what is the purpose of the business what is it that you're actually ultimately trying to you know, what problem are you trying to solve for the customer
0: since the launch has there been generated interest in young services
1: well it's been fantastic really since we've launch young of the the level and variety of interest that we've had and in fact before we launched we were working on a few opportunities you know we're talking to to, to one recently about this neighborhood piece and how you can um, improve and help and improve people's lives in in their neighborhood maybe from a tech point of view we're also looking at a student business that we're involved in you know too many of us have experience of living in poor quality student homes, uh, and I'm talking more about the kind of five, six bedroom homes, homes rather than purpose built, and and often in those student communities, a lot of people live quite close to each other within a 10-15 minute radius, and actually to offer much better quality to help students have a better experience and not have that poor housing experience, and we know from a mental health point of view as well how important that people's homes are, And I think also as, a, as an industry, too many people, when they go to university, it's their first experience of living away from home, first experience of renting a property. And actually, a lot of them get a very bad impression of what property is about because it's poor quality, the services is, is not good, the product's not good. And I think, actually, for people to go away and then have a good living experience will be good for, for the sector. So that's that's something that's important.
0: And speaking of firsts, what would you say... Are the initial steps that aspiring entrepreneurs should take to turn their business idea into a reality?
1: Well, I mean, we we've you know, personally been through this a number of times ourselves, and talking with with Savannah and and David about it, I think a lot of it is thinking about the purpose. What is it you're actually trying to do? What problem is it you're trying to solve? And I think you, you've got to get to that point first before you get too dreamy eyed about where it's going to go so I think it's thinking about it is looking at what else is out there looking at what your cut through is that's going to make you different so really thinking about that that purpose and and talking to a lot of people is important and what you'll find and I've certainly found this over the years and, and almost to a humbling extent people are really keen to help you people get excited you know I know when I talk to people about Innovation and new ideas and new businesses, they they, they love to you know, have a chat about it and, and, and give some thoughts on it. And you'll find in your in your network of people that there'll be good people to talk to, and then they'll introduce you to others. So you know, it's about the people, and I think that's a that's a really good first step.
0: Do you have any tips for those struggling at first?
1: When you first get into it, you tend to go through a few different emotions. One, you get excited by the thought of running your own business and and putting in place some ideas that you've had for some time. And then I think you go through a, a bit of a daunting because you actually then realise the amount of work there may be to set this up. And I, you know, I read somewhere it said something about uh, if, you, if you don't get a bit frightened by it or daunted by it, the idea is probably not big enough. And I think there's, there's quite a lot in that. So I think not to be concerned if you start thinking, Wow, this is uh, this is beyond me, or I can't do this. I think you've just kind of got to go with the flow early on. And coming back to the point earlier, is is talk to people, and that will give you some good I- indicators of where where your thoughts are. And you know, there'll be some negative comments that you get, but there'll also be some positives. And you know, out, out of all the conversations, you'll always pick up something which will which will make you think.
0: Drawing from your personal experience what were some of the challenges that Young's group had to overcome and how did you face these obstacles?
1: Often these things work well from a personal point of view. And I know first time round when we were setting up Young, you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking about the issues that might be out there that you're you're trying to overcome. And then you're thinking about what you need to pull it together. You know, Savannah and I gave ourselves a period of time to set the business up. And we, we both left the kind of corporate world. And we had the view that if we set something up, had something viable within a year, then we would carry on. And if we hadn't, uh, then we would go back into the corporate world. And during that time, we had to then partner with some investors to back the business. And the obstacles along the way, you have to get the lawyers involved to, to get the agreements in place, and that always takes time. And I, and I guess one of the biggest obstacles is, is time, and early on, it's a lack of experience. And and in that business, you know, if I look as it went on, we had the financial crisis after about four or five years, and that was a big challenge. But I think it comes back to the point I made earlier about the purpose. You've got to really think about why you're doing it. You know, if you go into it thinking, I'm just doing it to make money, I don't think that works. I think you've got to have something bigger, which brings the team together as well. Well, and brings a a commitment to to really drive towards growing the business because the business creates its own momentum, or or you help the business create a momentum. It's not just about one or two people, You, you know, the business has to grow beyond just the people who started up.
0: And speaking of challenges, what do you think the future holds for the UK property market? How quickly do you think it will recover from the effects of the COVID 19 pandemic?
1: Well, we sit here in June 2020, and um, obviously it depends uh, what you read and and where you look. I wrote an article recently, and it was very much about, you've got to be a a bit cautious. Let's not react too much. You've got to evaluate where things are and and look at how this plays out. I mean, if you look at pandemic in the past, they last for for maybe a year or two and, and then things do change again. So property market in certain areas is struggling more with office and retail. I think one of the points with the pandemic and a lot of commentators are saying is it's sped up. Some issues that were already there, the advent of the importance of tech, engagement of act as an enabler has certainly moved forward faster. And then maybe on, on the other side is the questioning of where people actually end up working in terms of office. I think that's where it's kind of highlighted some strategic questions that were there and that probably moving that forward a, a number of years. So I think the other piece you have to always remember is when there is a, a downturn, implications on people, which is is very difficult. But things generally do come back. We do get through it. So I don't think we should all be too negative. I think we we do get there and and people are pulling together at the moment, which is fantastic to see. And I think we'll see more of that and hopefully some approach and and good attitude will, will continue beyond the pandemic.
0: Thank you, Neil, for this interesting view, which can lead to an even wider discussion about the future of the UK housing sector and the shift that the COVID-19 has brought. So I do ask all our listeners to share their thoughts in the comment section below. And Neil, thank you so much for giving us this brilliant insight into the private rented sector and sharing all these valuable tips, really. We wish you and your company all the best. And hopefully next time we speak, it will be to celebrate yet another success that Young has achieved.
1: Thanks for your time and um, yeah, good luck.
0: Well, ladies and gents, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast and let us know what you think in the comment section below. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed speaking to Neil Young. If you are curious to find out more about the concept of walkable neighborhoods or Young's future projects, or if you simply have startup aspirations but don't know where to start from, reach out to Neil and his colleagues or visit Young's webpage at www.younggroup. Stay Keepers wishes you all a great week ahead. Be safe and remain positive. The best is yet to come.